Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Ryan Cabrera, your co-host, and I am here in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Oh, shalom, shalom. Welcome. Man, I'll tell you what. It is an exciting time to be alive. Uh, we've got all kinds of cool stuff going on here at the Community of Beit Tehillah, not the least of which is uh, some great messages going on based on the Torah portions that we have over the next couple weeks. Uh, this coming Shabbat, Pastor Nick will be preaching on the reunion of Judah and Ephraim in the last days. This is something that you don't want to miss, foundational teachings about Judah and Ephraim, the two houses that you can receive if you come or tune in via live stream this weekend. And then the following week, uh, because we will not be meeting on the 24th Monday night uh, for Torah study, uh, uh, Mike Cromwell will be preaching, and he'll be teaching on the first uh, Torah portion in Exodus, Shemot, uh, and so you don't want to miss that teaching as well. And last but not least, if that's not exciting enough, the community of Beit Tehillah will be doing our annual camping trip at Lithia Springs uh, here for 2018, I believe, where most of us are going to be there the week of uh, the 24th. So you don't want to miss that. Uh, if you can't come and camp because there are limited sites, uh, you should definitely come out and visit during the day and whatnot and have a good time with us. So uh, I think that's all the announcements I have for today. But uh, right now, we are about to get into the most exciting tour portion on the planet. Now, I know that you may be thinking, you know, that I fall in love with every tour portion every week, and that's because every tour portion is relevant for the week, right? I mean, God speaks through the tour portions every week, and they're relevant for today, literally for today. But this week is especially special. And what is it? It is Vayechi, which is, and he lived. Uh, and you could find this in the book of Genesis, chapter 47, uh, verse 28, through uh, chapter 50, verse 26, which is the end of Genesis. All right, we're going to hit this hit this running, <laughs> hit the ground running. So basically, you know, uh, as we look at the story unfold in Genesis uh, 47, uh, 28, uh, it says, and he lived. And so this particular verse says, and Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the whole age of Jacob was 147 years. So 147 years old. And of course he gets to be with Joseph for 17 years as they are reunited in the land of Egypt. Once again, uh, Joseph was 17 when he was thrown into a pit by his brothers. Uh, he was actually 30 years of age when he came before Pharaoh, which is kind of interesting. 30 is the age of the priesthood, the original law of first mention. Then it's dropped down to 25 and 20. But, uh, of course, we know 30 is the age of the priesthood originally. And we know that Yeshua began his ministry at 30 years of age. Very interesting. And, of course, with this uh, uh, plenty, uh, there's a lot. Uh, there's a great, uh, you know, I'd say uh, productivity in the land for seven years, uh, increase, prosperity for seven years. And then, of course, there will be seven years of famine. And so basically they were two years into the famine when um, uh, he met his brothers. Okay, so now this is what's going to happen. You know, they're having the reunion. Uh, the father's in the land. They're having a good time. And we're going to go ahead and look at some other things here. Uh, let's see, let's see, 47, 29. Uh, let's go ahead and look at that. Basically, this is very interesting um, in the fact that uh, 
actually, let's see here, 4729 is where, oh yeah, okay. Uh, Jacob wanted uh, Joseph to swear that, 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 that he would be buried uh, in the land of Israel. So Jacob wanted Joseph to swear that he would bury uh, Jacob himself, of course, in the land of Israel. And he, of course, put his hand under Jacob's thigh, and he swore. So once again, uh, Jacob is going to be buried in Israel. And that's what he made Joseph swear to do. And so let's go ahead and begin to look at, also, as we look at some other verses here, uh, just to bring it to your attention, uh, something very interesting. If we look at Genesis 48, verse 4, uh, if Ryan, you could read that, uh, this is a very important verse, especially for those that are non-Jews. It says, and, and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, and I will make thee a multitude of people, and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. So once again, Joseph is not Jewish, but he's promised the land. This land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. So think about it. The house of Joseph has promised the land of Israel, as well as the house of Judah. Mm. So remember, the goal is, who is among the house of Joseph? Who is among the house of Judah? This is going to be a common theme throughout the scriptures, everyone. And of course, the two-house teaching is, of course, uh, it's accused of replacement theology, but it's not. It's all part of God's plan. You know. So think about that, everyone. So as we see this begin to unfold, uh, it is quite exciting. So uh, anyway, uh, Jacob sees... The two boys, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim, Joseph's two sons. And so he takes them and he says, hey, you know what? These two boys, they're going to be mine. They're going to be mine. Let's, let's go ahead and read Genesis 48.5. Check this out. Look at this power of adoption. Yep, it says here, And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt, before I came unto thee into Egypt, are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. So that's the birth order. You have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, and it goes on down the line. But he actually takes these two boys, uh, and their mother's an Egyptian priest's daughter, and he puts them on his lap, and he says, they are mine, right? Now, what's interesting, Ryan, is that he like absorbs them right into the tribes or the commonwealth of Israel. Well, and he mentions the first two born, Reuben and Simeon, and says he does. Ephraim and Manasseh, and that's what's funny, he says Ephraim before he says Manasseh, he says Ephraim and Manasseh will be to me as Reuben and Simeon. And, and of course, adoption, we're all adopted, everyone. Just remember that the power of adoption, it's all throughout the scriptures, you can see it even in the New Testament, the power of adoption. So, uh, but what's interesting is he kind of switches gears a little bit, and he puts the focus on... On Joseph, his son, he says in Genesis 48, 6, And thy issue, which thou begettest after them, shall be thine, and shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. And my, my Bible has a little note, it says thy offspring, so it's not an issue, it's, it's his seed. His seed. So, so, Ryan, this is the thing that we need to remember. Joseph is even a patriarch. He's considered a great patriarch, a great righteous man. So you do have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And from Jacob, you have the patriarch, Joseph or Joseph. Now, why am I sharing that with you? Because those members of the house of Joseph, they have an inheritance too. Oh, yeah. Now, think about it, Ryan. Uh, you haven't even been to Israel, but he's put it in your heart. Amen. And that one day you and your family, you're going to go to Israel, be in Israel. You're going to have some kind of connection to that land in God's timing. He's put it in your heart. He's placed that seed in there. And for those of you that are listening to this podcast, there's three things that are synonymous. The land, the Bible or scriptures, okay, and then the people. 
So what's happening is God is putting a love for the land of Israel in our hearts, not just for the, the, the people of Israel, but the land of Israel. We care about it. I, I got the Jerusalem uh, Post, you know, as an app, you know, and I could punch in and see the news and see what's going on. And, and, I'm, and I'm drawn to it, and I see what's going on as far as the, uh, the news stories and the elections and different things and politics, but, but think about it. So that, that's something that, that is really, really ex- excellent. Uh, he goes on to talk about uh, where he buried Joseph's mother, Rachel, was in the way of Ephrath, the same as, of course, Bethlehem. So Rachel is, of course, buried in Bethlehem. Uh, Jacob, or Israel, wants to be buried in the land of Israel with, with the other matriarchs and patriarchs, right? So here's the interesting thing. Joseph and Rachel were literally separated from the family. We're going to see this play out. Uh, but in the last days, and even the days in which we live, we can see where Joseph and Judah are coming back together, Judah and Joseph. So once again, Joseph and Rachel were literally separated from the family. Rachel's not buried with the other uh, patriarchs, matriarchs. So she's actually uh, buried in Bethlehem. Something to think about. And of course, even at this time, this thing is actually controlled by the Palestinians. So now we're going to really get into some really good stuff here. Uh, Ryan is going to read Genesis chapter 48, verses 8 through 22. Once again, this is a podcast. Uh, We're going to give you our viewpoint on the scriptures. We're going to show you the scriptures literally, but we're going to publicly read it. So it can go over the airways, and you can hear it firsthand right out of the King James Version of the Bible. So he's going to read verses 8 through 22 in Genesis 48. It's, it's now giving the blessing to the two sons. That's it. Strap on, baby. you got to hold on to this ride, because this, uh, this is a ride. All right, so it says, And Israel beheld Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, They are my sons, whom God hath given me in this place. And, and he said, Bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age, so that he could not see. And he brought them near unto him, and he kissed them, and embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face, and lo, God hath showed me also thy seed. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near unto him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day. The angel which redeemed me from all evil blessed the lads, and let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great, but truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations." And he blessed them that day, saying, In thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and Manasseh. And he said, Ephraim before Manasseh. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again unto the land of your fathers. 
Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. Wow, what an incredible portion of Scripture. We're going back 3,500 years ago. Oh, yeah. That this blessing takes place. At least. Man, he wants to bless Ephraim and Manasseh. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to bless them. And he kisses them. He embraces them. He shows affection to them. And, of course, we know uh, even at this point, Jacob's vision was bad. Okay. So, anyway, uh, the thing that really irked Joseph was that as he brought up his children to Jacob, to his right hand he put Manasseh, the firstborn. His name means causing me to forget or forgetful. Uh, and then on the left-hand side of Jacob, to his left hand, he put Ephraim. So anyway, Jacob literally crosses his hands, and he places his right hand on Ephraim. Okay? And that's what he does. You know, uh, and of course, this is what he says here. He says, basically, uh, let's see here. He says in verse 19 of chapter 48 of Genesis, And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. His seed shall become a multitude of nations. What does that mean? It means that, listen, I want you guys to think about this. This is so simple. Ephraim is going to become a bunch of different ethnic groups. The word or the connotation for multitude is a fullness of Gentiles. Mm. That from Ephraim, a variety of people will come forth. So that's funny. So like me, you know, I'm like English, Irish, Scottish, Dutch. I've got Greek, Cuban, Spanish. I mean, that's seven that I know of. I haven't gotten a DNA test, but that's just what I've been told. You know, I'm sure there's more. Actually, you know what? One time I had like a, a health DNA thing done one time, and they said that I had sub-Saharan African in me. That's right. I got some brother in me. Oh, my gosh. Sub-Saharan you know, African. So, so I want you guys to think about this. Well, does that mean I'm a fryum? Do you think? You know, an Ephraim mutt. That's what we say. <laughs> you know, mutts make the best pets. Remember that. Uh, now, think about this, everyone. I'm taking the scriptures literally here. I'm not twisting them. I'm not making it to say something else. And, and there's not even a rebuttal. There really isn't. Shall become a multitude of nations. That's what Ephraim would become. Uh, the word is goy for a nation, or nations is goyim. It means a foreign nation, a Gentile. It's used to indicate a nation or nations in various contexts. Okay? So think about it. You're talking about the Latins. The Puerto Ricans are getting their Hebrew roots. Uh, you know, in, in our congregation, the demographics are incredible. We have people from India. Mexico, uh, uh, England, Czechoslovakia. I mean, you know, it's amazing what we have going on here. So the reason why I'm sharing that is because I'm going to have Ryan go to a cross-reference in Romans 11:25. okay? Now, okay, so think about it. What's going on here? 3,500 years ago, Jacob blesses Ephraim, gives him the firstborn blessing, not to Reuben, not to Simeon. It passes through Joseph and his lineage and his line. But now we're going to see the apostle Paul, who was a Benjamite from the tribe of Benjamin, and he's going to be sharing in the book of Romans, uh, Romans 11, 25. Now check this out. All right. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye be 
you, lest you should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Wow. What are the fullness of the Gentiles? They're getting their Hebrew roots. They're coming in. This is not a negative connotation. And, and this is the word for fullness in the Greek. It's pleroma. Pleroma is very interesting because this is exactly what's happening in the earth today. This is exactly how we see it being fulfilled. And this Greek word actually can play out. It means repletion or completion. So what's the example? It means what is filled as a container put in to fill up. So let's say we take Judah. We take the Jewish people in a pitcher. And we pour the pitcher and we say, look, here's Judah in this pitcher. Maybe it's 25% filled up in the pitcher. There's 25% of the fluid in this pitcher. Well, Ephraim comes doubly fruitful and goes right, right into the same container to fill up. We're here to come alongside the Jewish people, right? And to assist them and love them unconditionally. We're not replacing anybody. That's correct. And that's the thing we need to understand. You know, uh, I know that I'm not Jewish. You know, I'm a Ephraim. I'm a non-Jew. And well, so I don't have to really argue that f that point or, or have a hierarchy. I'm not better than anybody else. Yeah. And if you, you know? haven't, if you haven't, if you're listening to this and you haven't done this yet, go and read Romans 9, 10, and 11. It's, I mean, you want to talk about valuable scripture to Very absorb. Very good. So you read those because this whole section of scripture is talking about the grafting in process. So how something that comes from a wild olive tree gets grafted on to the you know the the cultivated olive tree the tree of Israel. And so how do we become part of the family of God? How do we how do we get in? It's we're grafted in. That doesn't necessarily mean that we replace somebody else. It just means that we're grafted onto the same tree that they are. And that's a good point, Ryan. And and, I, and I'm all, I'm also reminded everyone uh in in Genesis 48:20 says and he blessed them that day saying in thee shall Israel bless saying God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh, and he said Ephraim before Manasseh. Now, we have a special blessing that we do every Friday night over my boys, and it's this, Yisimcha Elohim Kephraim Vichim Manasseh. May God make you as a symbol of blessing as he did Ephraim and Manasseh. Wow. You know what I love about this podcast, Ryan, is that we're not only inspiring people, but we're educating people, and we're showing people the scriptures that this is really happening. You are more than just a Christian. You're more than just a believer. You are a son and daughter of God. You know, and with that comes this whole plan that's being played out. You were not born before the flood of Noah. You were not born at Mount Sinai, you know. You were not born during the time of John the Baptist or the destruction of the temples. No, you were born for such a time as this. The restoration of all things, the restitution of all things, and this is what is happening. And so it is it's incredible. Matter of fact, uh, if, if Ryan could read Jeremiah 31 9, uh, we need to go to Jeremiah 31 9 uh, because it's very important that you understand this. Uh, now, we know that the northern kingdom went into captivity in 722 BC, which is Ephraim. Uh, in 586 BC, we have Judah going into captivity uh, in Babylon. <laughs> and of course, you know, we have Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He, he preaches for 50 years. He's the correspondent in Jerusalem. Uh, of course, Ezekiel would be the correspondent uh, to those in the diaspora or those that are, uh, you know, um, scattered um, or in captivity. And so check out Jeremiah 31, verse 9, Ryan. It says here, They shall come with weeping, and with supplications will I lead them. 
I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way, wherein they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Now listen, everybody. Ephraim means double fruit, doubly fruitful. Double your pleasure. What was Ephraim going to become? A multitude of nations. A big group of ethnic people. That's what I'm Ethnic diversity. You know, and, and, and I'm only sharing this, Ryan, because it's right there in the scriptures. How can you deny this? Now, now think about it for those of you that are listening to the podcast. Really think about this, because this is important for you to act out. If Ephraim would become a multitude of nations, then that's what he would become. That's right. So out there is the birthright throughout the world. Yeah. If you're Ephraim, it says you have the birthright. Why is the birthright important? Because we are to come alongside Judah, who has the scepter. We're going to see those in the. In the we're going to have time and just enough to do the two well, blessings. Well, and it's not that tough Judah to. Joseph, it's but. not that tough to understand. God promised the multitude of nations from Abraham. So he said, "I'm going to make if you into." If you're the, if you believe in Christ, right? No, if that's you're right. in Christ, listen, man, you're the seed on, of Abraham. We'll get there. We'll get there. Galatians three twenty nine. Slow down. Slow down. So he promises it to Abraham. He says, "I'm going to make you a multitude of nations." Then he gives the same promise to Isaac. "I'm going to make you a multitude of nations." Then he makes the same promise to Jacob. "I'm going to make you a multitude of nations." And now this blessing has been promised to Joseph and then to Ephraim. And so we're just watching it, you know, make its way through the family line, because it's not about, you know. Uh, it's, it's not about just making something up. We are going into the scriptures to find where it says this. And you are correct. In in Galatians 3.29, it does say, yes. if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What That's right. promise? And What and, promise? And, who you know, the question is, and we won't get into Romans again, but who's accounted as the seed but those who are attaining to the promise? That'd be Romans See, whatever 9. the Father has put in your heart to do, whatever he's revealed to you, whatever whatever you're doing, do it with all your heart, with all your strength. I mean, do it. Do it and enjoy it, you know. So anyway, um, so there you have it. I mean, that speaks for itself. And now we're going to move on to, of course, uh, Jacob gives a blessing to all his sons. Uh, For the sake of time, we're not going to get into all of the tribes. We'd like to go ahead and just focus on the two, which is, of course, Judah and Joseph. You're a tribist. That's it, you know. So here we go. So let's go ahead and look at this blessing that's that's going to be given um, to Judah. And I do believe it's Genesis 49, and we're going to read verses 8 through 12. Let's go ahead and read Judah's blessing from Jacob, uh, Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 through 12. I do, before I read 8 through 12, I do want to make a note that Joseph's already received one blessing, right? And he got a double blessing because both of his sons got blessed and were this adopted in, right? So just, keep, just keep a note. it in the family. So it's just, you know, keep it in whole, the family. And the, but it's the double portion Listen, thing. Either you're blessed or you're cursed. So let's stick with the blessing. Or you're doubly blessed. You know, let's we're breaking curses. We're curse breakers. Uh, all right, so starting at verse 8. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Binding his foal unto the vine, and his donkey's colt unto the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. Wow. 
Wow, look at that. And Judah means praise. Joseph means to add to. So if Judah's praising, we're adding to it. We're harmonizing. We are. We're harmonizing. Yeah, my son likes to harmonize. Shoop, shoop, Oh, yeah. Can you harmonize, Pastor Nick? N- not right now. Neither um, can I. I'm going to get into <laughs> Judah's blessing because this is really good. But basically, you know, uh, it talks about Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Look at that, the scepter. We're going to get into that. So Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion who shall rouse him up. Wow. Look what Judah did to become a nation, the nation of Israel, and to to defeat their enemies. Amen. I mean, that was just incredible. Uh, The odds were stacked against them and everything. But look at this. I love this. Who shall rouse him up? See, like right now, they're, they're finding these tunnels in the north and Hezbollah. They're finding tunnels, you know, to the west with Hamas uh, just to wreak terror and havoc and kidnap and murder. And uh, they're discovering these tunnels and destroying them. But So, you know, here it is. But who shall rouse him up, you know? I, I think Judah's going to be unleashed pretty soon on the enemy. They've had enough of this nitpicking. And I think they're going to shut this whole thing down. So think about it. So who shall rouse him up? I don't know about you guys, but I'm not messing with Judah. Now it goes on to say, because Judah needs a position, if Judah means praise, that's interesting. But it says in verse 10 of Genesis 49, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Wow, Yeshua came through the line of Judah. Shiloh is a picture of the Messiah, but think about this. We go to scepter, which is kingship. We have lawgiver, which is the Torah. Shiloh is the Messiah. And the people are gathered unto him. He is gathering us, you know. And that's something that we all need to remember as we look at the gathering verses in the prophets. And all these prophecies of gathering, Ryan, it's the good shepherd. It's Yeshua. He's gathering us. He's going to gather Judah, you know. And, uh, of course, you know, it says he washes garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. Could that be his sacrifice? Could that be him giving his blood for us, amen, dying for our sins. It says his eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. You know, that's radiant. So, you know, think about it. Uh, I mean, that's that's just the depiction uh, or a description of, of a Messiah. You know, and so here we have Judah's blessing, which is quite profound. We can actually probably detail it even a lot more, but for the sake of time, we're not going to be able to. But let's go ahead and let's look at Joseph's blessing, it's in Genesis 49, and it's verses 22 through 26, and Ryan's going to read that as, as well. All right, this is good stuff. Ready? Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by a well, whose branches run over the wall. <coughs> the archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his bow abode in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Even by the God of thy father who shall help thee, and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under blessings of the breast and of the womb. The blessings of thy father have I have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be 
on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. Wow, Joseph's got quite a blessing here. Once again, Joseph means in addition to. Why is Joseph so important? You know, this house of Joseph thing is very, very interesting. Uh, Even in the book of Revelation, uh, Joseph is sealed. So, you know, think about this. I mean, the earthly father of Yeshua, Jesus, was Joseph, Yosef, to add to, you know. Uh, We have, of course, Joseph of Arimathea, who gave up his tomb, who no one had, you know, there's been no body put into it. It's brand new. It was his, not been used. Uh, wow. And then, of course, you know, we have the house of Joseph today. You know, I know a lot of the teachings out there have been twisted. Uh, we won't get into all of that and, and call people out. But the bottom line is that we have to take the scriptures literally and read them and figure this thing out, especially among the Jews and the non-Jews and for what God's plan is. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. So J- Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by a well, whose branches went over the wall. So he's expanding. He's growing. He's stretching out his tent. Are you, you saying know, he's adding to? He's adding to. You know, we used to meet in the living room. There was a time when I used to play uh, just on the edge of the kitchen and play my guitar <laughs> and <laughs> face the living room. And, you know, I could actually worship and eat a sandwich at the same time. It was a wonderful time of 10 or 12 people in the living room. But now look at what we have. Why? Because the scriptures say he will multiply us. He will He will add to us, you know. So here's the thing, everyone. We know we're blessed because we want to be obedient. And with the, with, the, with the blessing comes obedience. Obedience brings the blessing. And I've learned this. When I'm obedient, God blesses me. But times get rough. Life can get hard when we're disobedient because he doesn't want us to be comfortable in disobedience. That's why we feel pain, you know, or we feel something in our life because there's something we need to tweak or do. You know, I know that there's a certain number of people listening to this that uh, you're not catching on to the the process. You've probably heard us talk about Judah and Ephraim a couple times, and you've heard us talk about the house of Joseph. You've heard us talk about Joseph and how we're Ephraim and how we're grafted in. And you hear this over and over and over again from us. And I think that it 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 it's a good time probably to just take a couple seconds and just clarify exactly how this process works. I think that what happens is that you, you hear us say it, but it's like, man, how do I, I get this? I read it. I, I understand that Jacob is, is there. He's, he's Israel, that God changed his name. And, and I see that he, he gives the name uh, to Ephraim and Manasseh. And then I see that, you know, he blesses Joseph. And, and I see these things and I see that he adopts them and all that. But how does that pertain to me as a Christian today? How is it that I, as a Christian, become Ephraim? How do I become part of the house of Israel? And then have a desire to then be joined to the Jewish people as the, the rejoining of the one new man, the reconciliation between Jews you and know, Gentiles. It's either in you, Ryan, or it's not. Well, we say, we say that, correct? But no, I think... because he says that after those days, mm-hmm. I'll write my Torah on minds and hearts. You know, if I've been around my pastor friends, family, or whatever, and I've not won them over to the Commonwealth of Israel or a right action or the Sabbath or the feast days or any of that, what does that tell you? Not everybody is grafted in with that kind of action. Yeah. No one's going to practice their faith. Not everybody's going to do it. When Messiah comes back, you're still going to have Mormons. You're still going to have Jehovah Witnesses. Mm. You're still going to have the church and the Pope and the Cardinals and the Blue Jays. You're going to have everything, <laughs> folks. Listen, you know, business as usual. We yeah. think some cataclysmic change. No, he's calling us out. Come out yeah. of her, my people, in Revelation. It says. Right. Well, and, and, you know, there's no doubt that um, 
there's an extent. I, you know, maybe maybe I'm just younger and, and, and I've got still maybe some hope for, for folks out there. You sure, know? absolutely. We don't know. We don't know. And here's the thing. I think that it, even if, I think there's a, a measure of people that just don't get it, and then there's another measure of people that kind of feel it. They love Israel. They love the Jewish people. They're drawn to the scriptures in the ways that we are. They, they are drawn to the feast days. They're drawn to the Sabbath. They're drawn to these things, but they don't know why, and they can't quite articulate it, and they hear this whole Ephraim thing, and they're like, what is this? I hate, half the people say that this is replacement theology and that this is you know the devil or whatever. This then, is an act of God. Right, and then the other half of the people are saying, no, this is the greatest thing ever, and so we obviously are in the camp of this is the greatest thing ever, but let me it's just... It's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. So you hear it, Genesis 48, it's pretty simple, right? He, he, he blesses uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, he crosses his arm, he sets Ephraim before Manasseh, and then he says, you are going to become a multitude of nations. So what does that mean? It means that you're going to become a multitude of nations. What are you? Are you from a nation? Are you listening to this? It's you, goulash, you're, man. But you're from a nation somewhere. You're out there, and you're from a nation, and you're not Jewish. And you're listening to this, and you're like, yeah, but I'm drawn to all this stuff that people think is Jewish, yada, yada, yada. Well, guess what? There's a place for you in the kingdom of God. It's called Ephraim. So here, listen to this. Uh, if you go to Ezekiel chapter 37, this is the two sticks. It's, it's a famous set of verses about the coming together of Judah and Ephraim in a prophecy, but a lot of people misinterpret it. But he, here's what I want to show you. I want to show you verse 16. Uh, it says, Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick and write upon it for Judah and for the children of Israel his companions. Now I want to stop there. It says, For Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. So just take note, it's the children of Israel are the companions of Judah in this verse. And then it says, Then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions. So why the differentiation here in this verse between the children of Israel and the house of Israel. And I'm going to say that when you bump up to the New Testament and you start reading what Paul says in Ephesians 2 and in Romans 9, 10, and 11, you get a clear picture uh, of how we, going from the seed of Abraham, then with the right action, become grafted into Israel. And then those of us that are attaining to the promise, we then become part of the house of Israel through adoption, just like Jacob Israel adopted Ephraim and Manasseh, the Lord adopts us into Israel in that way. So nobody on this is talking about a bloodline. Nobody's talking about replacing anybody else. Nobody is talking about anything other than that the, the finished work of the cross includes giving you a new identity in Christ. What is that identity? It's Israel. You are Israel. If you're listening to this, you're in Christ, you're Israel. And just take it that one step further and start following what God has called you to do, and that is the Torah, the feast days, the dietary laws, these things that you're called to, embrace them because it's part of who you are. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and I want to remind everyone in this particular blessing, you know, Jacob's a prophet. He knows what he's doing. He crossed his arms. He knew what he was doing. <clears throat> and to this day, Ephraim has the birthright. <clears throat> so as you break down this particular blessing, it says, the archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. Why? Because Joseph has a calling. It's like his brothers, what they did to Joseph because of his dreams. They're like a, a depiction of these archers, right? Shooting their arrows at Joseph, you know. And that's what's happening right now, everyone. You think, why am I going through what I'm going through? Because the archers are trying to shoot arrows at you. That's okay? right. But here's the cool thing. We don't have to retaliate because it goes on to say, but his bow abode in strength, which is Joseph. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. So, so Joseph is not going to return fire with arrows. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing that we need to remember 
as we begin to look at this. Now, now think about this depiction because this is what's happening. You know, people are going to shoot arrows at us. Yeah. Now, there's a prophecy, <clears throat> which is very interesting. If that's the case, okay, uh, even, even in, in the scriptures, we're going to talk about this this next Saturday, about Ephraim and Judah, that uh, Ephraim is supposed to provoke Judah to jealousy. So think about it. When people are coming out of the nations, everyone, all these non-Jews, and they start practicing the Hebrews of the Christian faith and have a love for Jewish people and all these steps that we all have to take, uh, teshuvah, to return, uh, think about it. Uh, it's amazing that, you know, the, the arrow is, of course, a Torah term. It's hitting the mark. Right. Uh, and sin is missing the mark. So arrows are likened to directions or teachings, instructions, you know. And and with that, you know, uh, an arrow is, is depicted in the Torah. But I find it interesting, if you look at this prophecy in Zechariah, it says in Zechariah 9.13, When I have bent Judah for me, filled the bow with Ephraim, and raised up thy sons, O Zion, against thy sons, O Greece, and made thee as the sword of a mighty man. And the Lord shall be seen over them, in verse 14, of Zechariah 9, and his arrow shall go forth as the lightning, and the Lord God shall blow the trumpet, and shall go with the whirlwinds of the south. Now going back to, to the bow and the arrow, it says, look, Judah's the bow, Ephraim is the arrow. So what's going to happen? The Lord is going to put Ephraim in the bow. So Ephraim knows where to go. Don't you know? Don't you know? Ho, ho, ho. No. <laughs> so think about it, everyone. Judas the bow. Oh, yes. They don't call me St. Nick for nothing. <laughs> I'll stop. But think about it, everyone. Here's the bow, and then here's the arrow. God says, I'm going to put the arrow in the bow. You know, they only work so together. We know how to hit the mark. But the prophecy goes back to the bow was steady. Yeah, but think about it. What's a bow without an arrow? And what's an arrow without a bow? It's like cereal without milk. Mm -hmm. So the law of first mention tells us that Yahweh, our Father in heaven, is going to blow the trumpet over us. Boy, is that exciting or what? And then it goes on to say, even by the God of thy Father, this is in Genesis 49, 25, who shall help thee and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breasts and of the womb... The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors. <clears throat> Unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills, they shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. So what's happening right now? Because we're getting into the Torah, the Torah is getting into us. We're breaking curses in the name of Yeshua, and we're becoming obedient, and God is blessing us. But we do have to go through the fire. We do have to go through some things here. So think about this portion of, of, of this particular Torah portion because now all of a sudden we're going to switch gears because what? Jacob wanted his body to be buried where? In the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Heatite, which is Hebron, okay? And uh, it's kind of interesting even now uh, from my understanding, uh, we have Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebekah, and Leah that are, of course, buried uh, in the cave of Machpelah. Think about it. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebekah, and Leah are buried there. Once again, Rachel is not buried among them. Uh, currently today in Hebron, uh, the population of, in 2016, you have 215,452 Palestinians versus 500 to 850 Jews, of course, around the old quarter. Wow. 
What a discrepancy on population there. So that's what we see, you know. And of course, you know, uh, Joseph really, really, he he fell upon his face and he wept upon him and he kissed him, his father, when he died. And uh, and of course, what does Joseph do? He's, he's going to command the physicians to embalm his father. And I guess the embalming process took like 40 days. So once again, Jacob is, of course, uh, immersed in this Egyptian way at this per particular point. Uh, and of course, they're going to mourn for Jacob for, for 70, um, 70 days. And, um, and so now all of a sudden, we've got this, this problem of burial. You, know, you would think that Jacob's a rock star in Egypt because, hey, he, he's the father of Joseph. You know, so, so he's actually, you know, it's about who you know. So Joseph was so famous and such, you know, a good person and second in command under Pharaoh. So you would think that, you know, how is Joseph going to get out of not burying his father in Egypt? And so it, it's interesting because um, he basically was saying that he, he swore to his father that he would bury him in the land of Israel. And so, you know, here's the response. Go up and bury thy father according as he made thee swear. So that's how he got out of that, you know. Uh, of course, the little ones, the flocks and the herds didn't go to this funeral uh, procession. But uh, they, of course, continued to mourn for seven days at the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond Jordan. And then after all that happens, of course, they uh, they return back into Egypt. They're back in the diaspora, you know, for that fulfillment that was told to Abraham that you would be in bondage uh, to the Egyptians and Egypt. Uh, they're back in the diaspora. Uh, as we begin to look at certain verses here, uh, let's go ahead and um, have Ryan read Genesis chapter 50, uh, verse 15. Yep, here we go. It says, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us, and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. Wow. You know, when someone dies in your family, people get goofy. They start thinking things and doing things, you know. That's why, you know, when you forgive, you forgive. You let it go. You don't bring it up. Love keeps no record of wrongs. So, so they're thinking, man, you know, um, Joseph's going to hate us now that father's gone because he probably, you know, he just held back, you know, and, um, and of course, you know, the, these messengers, uh, come to Joseph and he hears this and he's like, he just weeps, he cries. And so he has to respond to his brothers in, in, in the condition of his heart and what he truly feels, you know, and that's the thing about honesty, you know, you, you ever just had a situation where you thought you had it resolved and that person was still holding it? It's like when you ever bury the axe, don't leave the handle up. I'm going to bury the axe. I'm going to bury the hatchet. Bury the hatchet. Bury the hatchet, right? Well, you go back and grab the handle. Huh. Very interesting saying. And whack so it a couple more times. Genesis 50, 21. <laughs> let's, let's look at uh, Joseph's response to his brothers, because he truly did forgive them and love them. Uh, verse 21, it says, Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And, be, and he comforted them. And spake kindly unto them. You know, fear runs in the house of Israel. Well, here, here one more back. So last night, I, I, uh, Ashley, my wife, was in the uh, the nursery, and she did a little project with the kids. But this was the verse that she wrote in all their papers. It says, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. And then he says, Now therefore fear not, that you know I'm not going to hurt you. But basically, think about this. All the things that happen in your life, and you blame somebody, 
is it possible that God is using them and that they're a steward of God's plan in your life and that your perspective should be one of gratefulness to God for the things that have happened to you because they got you to the point where you are today? Well, absolutely. And we shouldn't have any fear in this movement. Amen. No fear is needed. I mean, it says in 1 John 4, 18, perfect love casts out fear. Boom. So when we love each other, we promote God's love. See, that's the thing people don't understand. You know, there's times where I feel unloved or lonely, but the bottom line is that fear can creep in. And Aww. we say, no, no, no. You know, you can always call me. We don't want that. Maybe. You, know, you should feel you unloved. Call me, I maybe. love you. I don't want that. <laughs> that was a hit song, Call Me Maybe. That's so uncertain. That's a fine. How did we just take that left turn you to like Call that? Me Maybe? I know. I want to know. Gracious. You're going to call me or you're not going to call me. <laughs> so perfect love casts out fear, everyone. You know, it's so funny, Ryan. Times have not changed. If you go back... Remember when, when they were going to take the promised land and the parents were fearful? Oh, our children are going to die. The parents died and the kids went into the land. I mean, that is just mind-boggling. So think about it, everyone. And all of you that have been to Israel know that you have to have this conversation. Oh, you're going to Israel? Aren't you afraid? I'm like, no, I'm excited. I have God's perfect love. Are you kidding me? You know, And, and so this is going to unfold and now you're going to see some generational things. Um, Actually, Joseph got to see, uh, including his son Ephraim, three generations. Uh, that's Genesis 50, 23. That's pretty cool. And, uh, and of course, you know, he, he reiterates this promise. Joseph reiterates the promise to his brothers. He said, listen, God's going to take us out of here. We're going to go back to the land, as was swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that we are going to go back into the land that, that was sworn to us through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, so in this, uh, Joseph is thinking, okay, I'm not going to be buried in Israel. I'm going to be buried in Egypt. But because of the promise of the land, okay, he actually requires the children of Israel uh, to make an oath that they would carry his bones out of Egypt. We're going to see that played out in the book of Exodus. So, you know, take his bones out of here. Can these bones live? Oh, yeah. Joseph is saying, hey, when you guys go back to the land because of the promise uh, make sure that you take my bones and bury me in Israel. So today the tomb of Joseph is found in Shechem, which is the modern Arab city of Nablus, uh, in between, uh, of course, the Mount of Blessing and the Mount of Cursing, Mount Gerizim and Mount Evil. And so Joseph was 110 years old when he died. And of course, what happened in his burial uh, process, he was, he was embalmed and he was Put in a coffin in Egypt. And so that's the story of Joseph. You know, in, in the book of Genesis, the, the story of Joseph is the most, um, I guess, has the most uh, detail or chapters and verses in regard to any person uh, of character, which is Joseph. So uh, more so than even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, Joseph's storyline is a lot longer, they say. Uh, he, he gets more storyline than anybody, which would make sense in, in what's happening today, Ryan. Uh, all over the world, uh, people are coming out of the nations that are not Jewish and wanting to uh, bless the Jewish people, love them unconditionally, love Israel, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and of course, still hold on to their Christianity or their love for Yeshua as the Son of God. And, and so it, it's, it's awesome, the times we're living in, everyone. Uh, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. God takes no pleasure in anyone who shrinks back. So go forward. If you're going to fail, if you're going to mess up, fail forward. That's what I would say. Amen. And, uh, and so once again, I, I can't tell you enough how much I love the story of Joseph. We're going to be moving on now uh, into the book of Exodus. Hope you're enjoying this podcast as we are enjoying it as well as you are listening to it. And please give us some good reviews. Go on there. Ryan's going to give you a little uh, 
infomercial in regards to that as well. We'd love to hear some something back from you, and we'll respond. Yeah, well, and you know, we should take a moment. You know, Joseph just died in this tour pushing, man. You know, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I know. I don't know if I feel great about that. But you know? we live on through him. We the do. The house of Joseph, folks. That's right. Check out the scriptures, you guys. Tell me who these people are. Well, it's almost like a mandate for us. Like, now we have to finish the work. We got to keep it going, you know? Amen. So, anyways, guys, wow. I don't even know what to say. Uh, I love this tour portion, and you guys have already heard me say that. Hopefully, maybe a little bit of my love for this tour portion is, is just like it's seeping through your headphones or your speakers or whatever you're using to listen to this, and it's just getting all over you, and maybe you're just going to smile and think, man, Joseph, that was a cool guy, and like, wow, I get to be part of the house of Joseph, the house of Ephraim, the house of Israel, you know, which, oh, by the way, those are all three the same thing. <laughs> How cool it's is so that? so awesome. Isn't it cool? Remember, the whole house of Israel is made up of Jews and non-Jews, everyone. Even Ruth it. the Moabite was absorbed in. Think about it, everyone. Not replacing anybody. There is a special place for the non-Jews, for the Gentiles coming out of the nations. If you go back and read Isaiah from 40 on, you're going to see some interesting things. The, the Gentiles come out of the nations to help the Jewish people. You know, It I, says you'll even carry their children. So here's the challenge, then. The challenge is... Mm. And we've asked this question before, and, and normally it re- gets returned with crickets. But the challenge is what, is, what is the interpretation of Judah and Ephraim then? I mean, all of these prophecies, I mean, there's so much real estate within the scriptures given to the prophecies of the reconciliation of Judah and Ephraim. We know who Judah is. The question is, who is Ephraim? And, if you, and what's the other explanation if we're just totally wackadoo oh, down. and out, you know? I've known this for 23 years. I've had my own personal experience, and I'll be sharing that on Shabbat. Awesome. All right, so thanks for listening, guys. We love you. Um, as you know, you can reach out to me via email, uh, and that challenge goes out. So if you've got something for me, send it to ryan at twopraise.net. That's ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. Uh, we would love to hear from you. I'll share it with Pastor Nick, and he and I will mull it over, um, although I don't expect many emails, so that's okay, um, at least on that topic. Uh, you can also reach out to us for anything else. If you need prayer, if you have questions, if you will need resources or something like that, please go ahead and email me. You can also call the office at 813-654-2222. And then uh, on top of all that, you can live stream our services uh, at twopraise.net uh, in the, in the you know, watch us live tab or on any of our social media platforms. Pastor Russell does a great job of uh, getting us out there. So, uh, you know, as always, like, comment, and subscribe on here. Bless you guys and have a great week.